Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million, and this is a podcast where we challenge sexism in the music industry and empower fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about. And... Before we get started today, we do have a lovely new Patreon member to shout out. So, Elena, welcome to the Patreon Club. We are so happy to have you. And we are just like even more stoked about how you found the podcast because we love hearing people's origin stories with us. Um, It's like (laughs) one of our favorite things ever because there's so many like we're on so many ridiculous platforms and there's so many ridiculous TikToks that we've put out. That, like when people find us from TikTok, it's so fun to find out like how exactly they did. And so Elena's story is really cool because she found us through a TikTok that I made about our 60s girl groups episode with Kurt, where we talked about how girl groups were actually the original punk rockers. And Elena's actually doing her PhD basically about that same sort of theme, which is so cool. And also she's so smart. And I'm just like, wow. I want to be a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to hear our takes on some recent music news, we're doing many episodes over at Patreon. Our last episode featured MGK and his general nonsense, but also him continuing to play Misery Business, even though Paramore retired the song. We have Doja Cat saying that she's quitting music because fans were mad that she didn't come meet her in Paraguay and like lots of other stuff. And then we also have Joshua Bassett opening up about how he did have heart failure and he could have died if he did not go to the hospital because of the stress and anxiety surrounding driver's license, which is literally insane. All of that happened kind of recently and that is over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash name three songs. Also, we have our March Music Meltdown, which you can go and listen to, which... We are discussing some more religious stuff, meaning I've come up with another excuse for us to talk about cults. So I have brought to Jenna's attention how Justin Bieber was basically in a cult uh, in his Hillsong Church and Jared Leto having an actual cult, linen outfits and all, and just like a lot more nonsense, which is always fun to chat about. So Again, you can get all of that content and more as well as access to our Discord server at patreon.com slash name three songs. So without further ado, Jenna, what are we talking about today? I think the proper question is, who are we talking about today? Because today (laughs) we are talking about none other than Miss Megan Thee Stallion, who honestly is one of my biggest like pop culture crushes right now because she's (laughs) just so freaking cool. Like, I'm not going to lie in that I know very little of her music, 
but just like what I know about her and then obviously doing the research for this episode I just like love everything she stands for like her whole vibe she's very much women's empowerment she's very much no bullshit like say it with your whole chest yeah and I love it and I love it and she's just so supportive of her community she always like wants to give back she always wants to empower others I love it so much so today you know when we typically do these types of episodes where we're focusing in on someone's career we often tend to look at like well how did the media treat them but Megan the Stallion rose to fame when she was already in her 20s so again it's kind of that conversation of she wasn't picked apart the way that teen girls are often picked apart and so rather than the focus being on how the media talked about her more so we're going to be looking at like the way she was talked about and a lot of it kind of in a respectful way and then what controversies Mm -hmm. have come about what challenges she's had to overcome being like a black woman who raps so yeah there's a lot of fun stuff to get in today Yeah, and I completely agree with Jenna on the fact that I know very little about her music, like, as a music listener, but as just, like, a woman in pop culture, I'm like, you, you deserve all of the spotlight on you, and I just, like, love listening to her talk and reading about her and stuff, because she is such an interesting woman, and she's done so much, I think, for the community in general, of just, like, women in general, and Black women, and, like, the rap community as well. Of course, the path has been paved by, like, Missy Elliott, Lil' Kim, Nicki Minaj, and Cardi B, and all those others who came before her, but because of that path that was cleared by them... We have Megan Thee Stallion and we have her being respected and interviewed by the likes of Vogue and Rolling Stone, Enemy, literally, you name it, she's been interviewed by that magazine, which is a feat for a lot of women in general. She's also spoken to magazines like GQ. So really, everybody kind of wants a piece of Megan Thee Stallion, wants to get their take on her. And like Jenna said, like she is very well respected And I think it is really interesting because she fits in with a lot of the themes that we've talked about in past episodes that women have been judged for. So being very sexual, being very confident, being very loud and outspoken, but everything she says is like very warranted. And the interesting thing that I have noticed in a lot of these articles, and as we've talked about in our wrap up of 2021, is that Megan Thee Stallion, while becoming one of the biggest names in rap music, also graduated from college, having studied health administration. And her initial goal was that she wanted to open a home for under privileged elderly people in order for them to get help and housing and all that sort of stuff and she still is hoping to be able to do that at some point so like this girl's just fucking incredible and while I understand like it's a really big thing to be proud of and something that people should be asking about I do think it's interesting that in a lot of these cover stories with her there seems to be that like caveat of like yeah she's like a foul mouth rapper but she's studying in college and it's like okay you could have worded that like I feel like that's the only thing that they're kind of like I don't know trying to set her apart in some way where it's like just because other people haven't have dropped out of school to focus on their music careers or whatever like doesn't make them any less educated or less worthy of praise but it feels like they're kind of trying to convince themselves and like this is me reading between the lines and also just like with the mindset of how much the media is kind of rude to like most women whenever they can be where just kind of like reading between the lines feels like oh she's acceptable because she went to college thumbs up megan yeah i definitely know what you mean 
So just to give you guys like a little bit of background history on Megan and like how she kind of rose to fame as we know her now, I'm going to read from the Rolling Stone interview that she did in March 2019 with the writer Jade Gomez and it's titled How Megan Thee Stallion Earned Her Confidence. So Jade writes, born Megan Pete in 1995 same year as me besties (laughs) (laughs) megan got first-hand look at the recording process as a kid thanks to her mother's rap career under the name holly wood from 2001 to 2007 holly released music and made attempts at starting her own label one of the biggest hits was a single dedicated to the late houston legend dj screw which received airplay on a local hip-hop station 97.9 the box the six-year career was enough to inspire megan and she says that i've been writing ever since i was maybe seven i was kind of shy about telling people that i could rap for the longest time and i think this is really cool because i never knew megan grew up with a mom who rapped like that's so cool and we'll get into it more but like everything that Megan stands for is just like women empowerment she's always been empowered by her mom and her grandmother and her great-grandmother and it's kind of really cool that she grew up as a kid seeing her mom doing that and then like Mm -hmm. also wanted to kind of follow in those footsteps I know and I just love that she is really proud of the fact that she was raised by a very like matriarchal kind of family unit so lots of strong women in her camp backing her the thing is is that like and because we've talked about this in past episodes where we've talked about how Megan's had issues with her record label which we'll get into like a little bit farther down the line but since Megan has such a good relationship with her mom her mom wound up being her manager and you would think that with her mom herself having a rap career like she would have a bit more music industry know-how or like understand what's going on and Megan wouldn't have signed such a shitty label deal but it is just like that shitty thing where sometimes no matter how much experience you have you still don't really know like who's actually on your side and who's not not talking about her mom but like talking about the label wise because I'm sure her mom and like all these things are like oh my god the label wants to sign you this is so exciting because I mean like her mom's not a household rap name like she's not somebody that like we know in regards to like the pop culture zeitgeist so as the Rolling Stone article said like she tried to start her own label and all that sort of thing so it's not like she was dealing with contracts and all of that stuff so it must have just been really hard for both of them to deal with all of that sort of turmoil when they're both like two very strong women have always kind of like gone their own way done their own thing to then have like this group of men come in be like we want to work with you and it like not be what they thought it was going to be I don't know and actually since you're saying that we do have another interview with Megan done in the fader in August 2018 with Nandi Howard and this interview with Megan is talking about how she recently had signed with the 1501 certified entertainment as a label which is a Houston based label run by T Ferris and and former MLB player Carl Crawford and helped the careers of Houston stars Paul Wall and Mike Jones. And so it makes sense that Megan signed with the Houston label being from Houston. Of course, like she didn't know how big she was going to blow up to be because all this happened in 2018. And the writer Nandi points out that besides her mother, the team working for Megan is currently all men, but she insists that they're supportive, encouraging Megan to be her ultimate self at all times. And then Megan says, they'd be like, she in the pit, just let her go. They just love it when I'm raw, talking reckless. (laughs) Wait, this quote is so random. But it is interesting that it's like from the get-go and like when she did this interview, like a few months into her journey with 1501, that everything was good. 
and that even though her mom was the only other woman on her team, that she didn't have any issues with them thus far. And then, like, yeah. basically once she starts to blow up is when she starts having issues with her label. Number one, them not letting her release music. Number two, we've talked about this in the past, but them not letting her do a remix of BTS's Butter. And then now, recently, she's taking them to court for the third time because they're claiming that the album that she dropped in November called For the Hotties doesn't count as an album, even though the only requirement in the contract was that the album has to be 45 minutes long and For the Hotties was like 45 minutes and two seconds long or something like that. So she's since spoken out a lot about her label, but it is interesting that it's like you know it's a houston based label it made sense that she signed with them when she started yeah. they'd worked with houston stars before of course she didn't know how big she was gonna be so now that she's so much more famous and she's talked about how once she ta- started talking to like rock nation then they they pointed out to her like there was bad things like in her contract that she didn't even know about and this is the thing that like we've talked about in our episode about women getting trapped in record deals and obviously this isn't something that only happens to women but it does happen to women a lot is that they kind of see like a bright-eyed and bushy-tailed young girl coming up has talent and they're like okay how do we how do we keep her here what do we do so that we're gonna get a piece of this cake but that's a thing that like really confuses me about all of her turmoil with her label is that you would think that they would want her to but again this is the same thing we talked about in our record label episodes like you'd think they'd want her to succeed you think they'd want that money you'd think they'd want that recognition for having put out this artist but it seems like these men and these labels almost prefer having the power over these women than they would prefer the money and the attention and the fame that they would get for having these women succeed it's just so weird because it's like obviously Megan putting out that remix of butter with BTS did really well and that's been a really successful thing and garnered her a lot of of new fans and a lot new eyes and ears on her and yet her team were just like no we don't want it it's like you're gonna make bank you're gonna get people being aware of her like she's gonna be getting so much more coverage from something like this and it's just so weird especially when she is so much on the forefront of like the women's empowerment in music and just in everything like she's She's had a role in so much of women feeling like, oh, you can go to school and be successful in music. Oh, like you can be sexy and powerful. Oh, like you can do this and it not be about men. It can be about yourself. It can be about your personal journey. It's just so crazy that like she's such a powerhouse and has so much potential for like truly, truly going down in history and not just being like a pop culture blip sort of person. Yeah that you would think the label would back her 100%. And that's what I just don't get because it's like her talent's been proven. It literally just comes down to the need to control women. Like, period. That That's literally it. Because they're literally stupid for not letting her do whatever the fuck she wants because, like you said, she's proven herself. And this is actually extremely timely because I think just recently is when the news came out about the third time she's taking them to court about the album disagreement. But as of March 21st, she tweeted, First, the man over at my label said, I don't make him any money. Now he's countersuing, trying to keep me on his label because he wants me to make him more money. LOL, if I ain't making you no money, why don't you just drop me? Case in point right there, folks. It literally comes down to men controlling women, period. It's so unsettling that 
this is how the music industry is run, that this is what's happening. It just upsets me so much because like she's done so much good for that label. She's done just so much good for music. And I don't know. It, it just it just truly boggles my mind that in the grand scheme of things, it's like, oh, there's this powerful woman that we're working with and we hold the reins now. So yep. sucks to be you. So another theme without within Megan's career has always been her sexual explicit lyrics always from the start and i think it was really funny that in this uh rolling stone interview she talked about how when she was in college and high school like she knew she could rap but she didn't tell her mom and so one point there was a video of her that went viral where she was like freestyling against these other male rappers at her college and so the secret kind of got out of the bag and she told her mom that she could rap and her mom was like no you can't and she was like yeah i can and she started rapping and her mom said oh my god no you're not coming out till you're 21 referring to basically how she raps now but probably a little more ratchet in Megan's words meaning that her mom was like this is too vulgar like you are not allowed to rap publicly until you're at least 21 and I do think it's funny that like she got signed in 2018 and being born in 1995 she would have been at least 23 so I mean like as we talked about her rise to fame like she is a fully formed adult like can make her own decisions can Talk about whatever she wants to talk about. And because of that, she'll still always be attacked for her lyrics. But because she's not like an impressionable teenager, she knows exactly who she is and like can stand in her power in saying whatever she wants to in her lyrics. Yeah. And I feel like that's what's so cool about all these interviews that we've pulled for this is that at no point is any interviewer being like, why do you think it's okay for a woman to rap about this? Because I feel like five years ago, she would have been asked that of like, oh, who do you think wants to hear about women having sex? Who do you think wants to hear about like you going out on the town and twerking with your friends or like prep and have a hot girl summer? You know, that sort of situation. But it seems like she's taken a lot more seriously than like women prior to her, which is quite nice and quite refreshing because I mean, like in this Rolling Stone article, especially with her talking about that and bringing that up, like she brought up the fact that like, oh, my lyrics used to be like way more quote unquote ratchet than they are now. And like that's opening the door wide for that journalist to like ask questions about lyricism, ask questions about how like, oh, you reined it in. But like, did you really or stuff like that? And she didn't. She didn't take that opportunity because obviously she respects Megan and what she's doing enough. But I think also it's just so clear that the way in which she's rapping is just so true to herself and true to just women's real life stories in a way. Like obviously from a rap perspective. And so I I think that that's just like a really good step forward for the media because like we, like Jenna said at the beginning of this, like so often when we do these episodes discussing one person, it's like, oh, the media like really didn't respect them or like part of the media did and part of the media didn't. But it's nice to see that we kind of are starting to exist in a space where when women are so sexually motivated in their lyricism that they can still be taken seriously in this way 100% I think part of that is like the media realizing like how awful they have always treated pop stars and the other side of that is like sending writers with different backgrounds to go interview these people because I mean the Rolling Stone interview was with somebody named Jade Gomez even just sending a woman especially like sending a woman who knows hip-hop to interview somebody who's in hip-hop slash rap makes a world 
world of difference if you know the context they're coming from. Like sending in a, a white man who knows nothing about hip hop is definitely <laughs> not the way to go. But I do think it's interesting that even going back to this Fader interview in 2018, even from like the very first interview she was doing, she was so sure of herself. And again, this writer mentions how like artists like Notorious B.I.G. and 3-6 Mafia have served as influences to Megan and the writer says when I bring up how those artists could sometimes exude sexism in their lyrics she agrees and she says when I'm listening to them I'm like this would be really live reversed I really feel like if men can talk this much shit women can too and then Megan goes on to say I'm not a character so how I rap is just an everyday thing which to your point Sarah she's talking about her real life experiences like she fully believes in everything she's saying and is not just making this up for clout or anything else and then she continues on to say women make the world go round you don't have a lot of women doing things for women so when I'm rapping I gotta talk all this mess so women can feel as confident and as powered as the men like literally from day one the interview she's doing when she's just signed she knows what she stands for and I fucking love it yeah I mean like literally a year later when she was interviewed by the fader again in May of 2019 she spoke with this man Lawrence Bernie and even then her viewpoints like barely changed because she was so aware of like what they were and what they should be and I think that's just so incredible again of like how much it shows that (laughs) teens have no place in the spotlight Um, (laughs) because she's just so aware of like the double standards between men and women in the world of rap music because she says in this interview and then being a girl too they criticize you harder than they criticize men if I was out there making these noises like Uzi and Carti be making they would not rock with that and not saying that they don't be going hard because we definitely finna turn up to both of them <laughs> I should not be saying half these words <laughs> no <laughs> but anyway she continues on by saying but if it was a chick They'd be like, nah. Again, I just apologize for me speaking a language that doesn't belong to me. It feels very uncomfortable. (laughs) We hope you guys enjoy our very white interpretations of African-American vernacular English. (laughs) Oh, God. That's just like me doing a really bad impression. It just felt like me doing a really bad impression of Megan Thee Stallion when I'm literally just reading a quote just because it's like her speaking the way she speaks. Like, that's the thing. Like, I love that she just, like, is fully herself and, like, is not changing her, like, her language or her speech patterns to make writers and readers more comfortable. But legitimately, like, me reading it just feels like I'm doing a really shit impression of a person that I should not be impersonating. (laughs) Oh... With all that being said, in addition to Megan just like constantly calling out the devil standards, we also have Q-Tip giving props to Megan for everything she's doing, saying that some people may think her stuff is just over-sexualized, but it's her approach to it. It's her tact with it. It's very innovative to me, especially to see a young woman like herself being in a position of standing in her power to stand in her royalty and never let that be shaken. It was just something in her that I really love. So Q-Tip, obviously a huge person within the hip hop and rap community giving her props like this is like one of the coolest things because there have been other people in the hip-hop and rap community i know CeeLo green randomly was one of them like calling out megan being like this ain't it like women shouldn't be rapping about sex but it's like so 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 sarah and i were like having this conversation a little bit beforehand and it's like is what megan the stallion doing the reverse of the male gaze because we just did a huge episode about the male gaze right and we're talking about how the reverse of the male gaze is basically just like women like women 
hypersexualizing men. And so, like, for example, Megan hypersexualizing herself in the spotlight, you know? But I think that when it comes down to it, it really doesn't feel that way because she stands for so much empowerment and so much own your sexuality and, like, know what you want in sex and be able to say it and be able to communicate it to a partner, be able to say it to the world and not be ashamed about it. And that's why it's a good thing. And that's why it's a positive thing and not just a, oh, you're just doing this for the male gaze thing because she's totally taken the conversation beyond that. Yeah, she's like fully subverting what the male and female gaze both are completely in what she does because it's like in one sense like if you're thinking very cut and dry what is the male gaze like she's dressing in a way that a lot of people would say is the male gaze but also again like women have been like I said reclaiming their bodies in their own sort of way and even as the patriarchy is going to sit there and be like yeah but we're enjoying it too (laughs) it's like nothing Megan does is for the male enjoyment and like if you watch any of her music videos you can very clearly tell that there is like that underlying message going on there of her being like yeah I'm shaking my ass but if you look at my ass for longer than I give you permission to you're gonna be real sorry about that and like you can just feel that like you just feel that vibe and it's honestly like it's iconic in so many ways because you just like fully understand that every man who's going to like ever witness her presence is going to be kind of afraid. And I feel like that's what owning your sexuality is really about. It's just making men know like that's not for you. It could be, but it's not. And I think it's just really incredible everything that she does because like she just speaks about it in a way that like you normally wouldn't be like, oh yes, this is such an eloquent way to speak about sex, like your sexuality and all this stuff. But it really is in the grand scheme of things and it all boils down to everything is it's like she's so aware yeah, and she puts everything so well in like her own Megan the Stallion kind of way and I feel like that is really all you can ask for in a pop culture icon really is somebody who makes things understandable but also could very easily raise an army of women <laughs> to also put the fear of of God in men I mean, honestly, <laughs> honestly, her thought shit video did literally just that. Yeah, it did do <laughs> like, that. But speaking on like how well she knows herself and like how aware she is, she did another interview with Paper Magazine in 2019 with Kiana Fitzgerald. And Megan says, my voice is a little deeper. When I talk, I have to mean what I say and I have to say what I mean. The point has the point has to be clear across. I don't want to use a squeaky voice because I need you to know that I'm being dead ass serious. And it's exactly that of like, she knows like how she's perceived by people and she plays into it, right? Like Megan the Stallion, like she's talking about how the Stallion was like a nickname given to her because she's tall and she's like bigger bodied, she's strong. Mm -hmm. And that's like a Southern term for like a woman like that. And she's like, hell fucking yeah, I'm Megan the Stallion and like never looked back from it and like was never gonna let people bully her about it. And like another really great thing that I appreciated Kiana like bringing into this interview in Paper Magazine, she talks about the trope of women catfighting with other women or especially rappers beefing with other rappers. And Kiana writes, on July 28th during a joint Instagram live with Nicki Minaj, Megan spoke out about how some are positioning her against Minaj due to her rising status. And Megan says, stop playing with Nicki Minaj like she ain't the motherfucking goat 
Don't ever ask me shit. Don't ever question me. You know the fucking vibes. Quit playing with us. So once again, just like knowing what she stands for and setting fucking boundaries, being like, don't even try that shit with me. Like, just don't even because it's not happening at all. And that's like super important because again... As we've talked about, because we did an episode about feuds between women in pop music and how a lot of them really aren't feuds. It's just the media being the media. Catfighting is a term that existed for a very long time. Not really used as much, but when it is, you know, people are trying to prove something. And so it's really important for these women when so long it's always been like, there can only be one to be like, nah, we stand together because that really is what it's all about the only way to change things is to be like no we're a team actually like stop trying to pit us against each other and as jenna and i keep repeating over and over again like megan it has always just been herself like she's never really fronted she's never faked nothing about her it, like she, i don't even think she could pretend to be something she's not yeah and so we do have another interview here in id magazine with jeremy o'harris in november of 2019 where he says to her there are a lot of people who want to position female rappers in a way where there can only be one a supernova that destroys everyone else around them until some other girl comes and destroys them so again bringing up this theme of like the cat fight women against women yeah and he goes on to say what's been really exciting is seeing the way in which you've been so loudly vocal about other female rappers and he asks, was that an active position on your part or just natural And then Megan responds, it's natural. I'm not a fake person. I'm not a character. And I think that that part is so important because, again, it's something we talk about a lot of like this persona versus the person sort of idea and how there's so rarely now people who don't have like a public facing persona, even if it is like very similar to themselves. It's just like a way to kind of shield yourself from the world but you can so clearly see that, like, there is no separation between Megan the Stallion and Megan who goes home and, like, hangs out in her house, you know? Because that would be too much for her. Like, she's just like, no, I've got to be real or else nobody else is going to realize, like, what's going on here. And so she goes on to say to Jeremy, what I say is how I feel. I just don't give a fuck about competition. It's not that serious. You know how many men make music without biting each other's heads off? Why do we have to do that? There's room for everybody. I really couldn't care less what the next girl's doing. If she's shining, that's good. It's not taking away from my light. Print that on t-shirts. Give that to the children in schools. Just like give them the philosophy of Megan the Stallion. Of like just because one other girl's shining does not mean that I cannot shine as well. Like yep. that that is like the ethos of what we do here. <laughs> like all girls can be like strong and powerful together. Like just because one is doing well doesn't mean the other can't do well like you should always have the back of other women and girls and the fact that Megan is so strongly and loudly about that I think is just so incredible because it comes up time and time again like you can't fake that you know it's it's so hard because it's so obvious when you're not a girl's girl you know (laughs) and so the fact that she so strongly is one and so loudly is one I think is just like really upstanding and necessary in this world because so many women aren't like that. Yeah, 100%. 
And part of the reason she's like that, as we've mentioned, is because of, like, the strong women that she's had in her life, which she's talked about on multiple occasions. One of those being with NME in 2020 with Natty Kasimbala, in which Megan says that when I was younger, I watched my mother, my grandmother, my aunt, all women in big supporting roles in my life be so confident. And I thought they were so beautiful. And she goes on to say, I had really good examples of women in my life. And they always put it in like, Megan, you're so amazing. You're doing so good. That came from my father, too. I didn't know anything else from birth. Now I'm grown. I'm like, what can anybody tell me? I already feel like I'm the shit. So if you say otherwise, you crazy because my mama said I was beautiful. So I must be beautiful. <laughs> just a round of applause. So just a round of applause for Megan. Like, honestly, let's print some of these off and like make t-shirts. I mean, she truly just like went off in all these interviews because she continues on in this interview to say, I don't want anybody to perceive me as perfect. Girl, I be waking up too and I do not be feeling it sometimes. Sometimes I might bust out crying. I go through it too. And I just like, oh my God, if Britney Spears said anything close to that, you know how many lives that would have changed? Wow. Like, but that's the thing is it's like so many women in pop and so many women in general are taught to just like show a pretty face. Don't don't be too crazy. Don't be too emotional. All this stuff because it's like then you're going to be judged as like an emotional woman, blah, blah, blah. Even though like we've talked about in so many other episodes, it's like, but women are allowed to be emotional. Men can't have emotions. Women can have emotions. Women still are told to kind of lean into that like patriarchal idea of things of like, don't show too much emotion. You're going to be thought of as crazy and mentally unstable and all this stuff. And meanwhile, Megan's out here being like, girlfriend, everything's going to be okay. You don't have to feel 100% all the time. You are beautiful if your mother tells you you are beautiful. And just because you wake up sometimes not feeling beautiful you can cry about it but you still are beautiful because your mama loves you and I literally just, just like... love her so much like <laughs> I'm like I needed to hear this thank you Megan <laughs> and it's just like it's just so great and it's also just great that like these interviewers are publishing this and that they're going with these storylines because as somebody who's interviewed my fair share of artists like there's so much stuff that you can't always include every good quote in an interview and so these interviewers being so aware that like this is is a narrative that needs to be shared that her fans need to be reading that just random women interested in pop music need to be reading like that's so important to just the narrative and again that's showing that the media is kind of learning the people who are now doing these interviews are more people kind of from our generation who are more aware of how much wrong the prior uh leaders of the media kind of did by women in pop music that them going with these storylines I think is just like a really good sign for what's to come yeah and also I mean in this interview with NME Natty is like talking about like the stereotype of black women having to always be really strong and so she asked Megan about it too and Megan says let me tell you black women are strong we can be going through whatever and still put on a good face I know there are times that my mother might have been going through things and I never knew because she always wanted me to feel safe and okay and the past interview with Fader in 2019 she talks about the same thing and like how she was always strong and she never wanted to cry in front of her family so like there definitely is that aspect of it too like she's not exactly like being emotionally vulnerable like with us directly but she's saying like it's okay to not be okay but it's also like okay to put on a strong face if that's what you want to do and she's talked about how she's always done that and always just worked through it and like been there for her fans because she wants her fans to like have a good time and know that she's there for them 
And so while it has been fun to talk about all of these incredible interviews that Megan has gotten to do and all these journalists really respecting her and all that stuff, we also, of course, have to talk about some more controversial things that have happened to her. Not so much like her being controversial, but just things that have stirred the pot on the internet. Because when one side of people are going to start being nice to you, that means somebody's got to be mean to you somewhere and judge you and call you out on things that they assume are not real or whatever. So we have the Tory Lane's shooting situation, which Jenna is going to get a bit into for those of you who may not have been paying attention to pop culture news at that time. But the thing that is so incredible with all of this is that while this was traumatizing, while this was something that really messed with Megan and that the people of the internet were kind of giving her shit for and just kind of questioning constantly, Megan was consistently emotionally vulnerable with the internet with the media with anybody who would listen to her about what had happened to her and I think so often again and she talks about this like women are afraid to come forward women are afraid to talk about when they've been treated badly by men especially men that they don't really have any connection with and yet she consistently came out and talked about it so Jenna do you want to get a bit into this for everyone So in the summer of 2020, LAPD responded to reports that Megan Thee Stallion suffered a foot injury during an incident involving Canadian rapper Tory Lanez, who was arrested that morning on suspicion of carrying a concealed weapon. So at the time when this initially came out, it was like reports that she had been shot in the foot. Later turned out she had been shot in both feet. She didn't originally name Tory Lanez as the assailant, but she later did. And a few months later, she went on to write an op-ed for the New York Times about her experience and she wrote recently as a victim of an act of violence by a man after a party I was shot twice as I walked away from him we were not in a relationship truthfully I was shocked that I ended up in that place and while she didn't mention his name in this op-ed previously she did named Tory Lanez as the shooter after the attack. And then she goes on to write, my initial silence about what happened was out of fear for myself and my friends. Even as a victim, I've been met with skepticism and judgment. The way people have publicly questioned and debated whether I played a role in my own violent assault proves that my fears about discussing what happened were unfortunately warranted. And this is going back to what Sarah's saying of, it is so terrifying to be a woman and have to come out and talk about being assaulted and in this case literally shot and not being believed like it is disgusting that anyone would not believe her because what like why why would she, what what reason does she have for lying about this like it's absolute bullshit yeah and it's just so insane like when I was reading that I was just like so shocked because as somebody who was working in journalism at the time that this had happened everybody we got sent there were crime scene photos of her feet and so like this (laughs) this was like an image that I have like scarred in my head of like her feet with bullet wounds in them which I can only imagine like how horrific that must have felt and for multiple reasons not just pain wise but you know like just so many levels of like pain but it's just like such a horrific thing to go through and for people to be up on twitter being like oh i don't even believe that you actually got shot like you're making this up it's like who even is tory lanes like why are people coming to this man's defense or like saying that megan's making it up it's not like she needed this man for clout like she was already megan the stallion yeah. you know she already was a relevant person like who the fuck makes up being sh- like if you're gonna make up being shot at least make it a better story than your feet like 
like that's not <laughs> that's just embar- that's just embarrassing if you're gonna make that up you know and and so she was like just very vulnerable and open about what had happened and again it takes so much personal strength to be able to be so open and vulnerable and loud about what happened to you and loud about why it took you a while to say who did it because you were afraid and that's really hard for a lot of people to admit and that's also why again like this was a shooting it wasn't a sexual assault situation but this is why like we see a lot of men not get sent to jail for sexual assault allegations because the statute of limitations is so small and it takes women a long time number one to even admit to themselves that they've been assaulted but also to like admit who it was or what had happened or sometimes even remember who it was or what had happened and it's just like a really fucked up system so the fact that Megan realized like okay like I need to come forward and say who this was like I need to talk about this that's really strong but also just like the way she wrote everything out like it was so well done and just like so mature when like she could have not been that again just props to her props to her always and the other part of this too is that in America consistently black women are not believed when they're talking about how they're in pain. Like black women do not get the same healthcare that white women get, especially when it comes to pregnancy or when it comes to asking or like when it comes to like really just talking about any pain and seeking treatment. And this is like such a prime example of that, of like people were making jokes, like people were laughing at her for this. It's like fucking bullshit that anyone would ever laugh at anyone for being shot. Like it's absolutely ridiculous, but At the time when this happened, she like later went on Instagram live and she was saying it was super scary. She was crying. She said it was just like the worst experience of my life. It's not funny. It's nothing to joke about. I didn't put my hands on nobody. I didn't deserve to be shot. And then she was talking like referring to people who were like making jokes about this. And then she was like, why would you be cracking jokes? And then she went on to call out the grown men who chime in on things that aren't their business, asking them to consider how they would feel if their own sister or girlfriend or best friend were shot. And she said, why would you be cracking jokes? jokes then I don't expect none of you to feel sorry for me but it's just a respect thing like she shouldn't even it's just heartbreaking that like she would have to go on there and even say that because it as I said it's just black women not being believed when they're in pain not being believed when they're going through trauma it's it's bullshit and again in this op-ed she writes it's ridiculous that some people think that the simple phrase protect black women is controversial we deserve to be protected as human beings and we are entitled to our anger about a laundry list of mistreatment and neglect that we suffer she continued on to write in this op-ed connecting her experience to the way that she dresses as well and like the criticisms that she gets and she says but the remarks about how i choose to present myself have often been judgmental and cruel with many assuming that i'm dressing and performing for the male gaze when when women choose to capitalize on our sexuality to reclaim our own power like i have we are vilified and disrespected and so again it's just like we, we just talked about the male gaze a minute ago of any time a woman shows her body it's automatically you're just doing that because you want attention and if you're showing your body you don't deserve respect and like yeah. we've deconstructed this so many times and yet the narrative comes up again and again and again but I also just think you know it's really incredible that as Sarah said earlier like Megan could so eloquently put together this op-ed talking about all of these things that she's gone through and it really does show like how many hurdles she's up against being a black woman in music being a black woman who raps about sexuality being a black woman who gets on there and stage twerking it does not come without its fair share of challenges yeah again with that thing with megan talking about the male gaze and talking about like how she's going to be vilified for these things it's like there are people clearly on the internet who are just trying to view her as a villain 
and trying to like take away her power, take away her strength, take away all these things that like she's being praised for by the media and not like verbally being praised, but just like being allowed to like celebrate herself in the interviews that she does and given the opportunity to speak from a place of power, unlike a lot of other women have been. And so there was this Los Angeles Times news article written by Christy Carasas in July of 2020, also following the shooting incident. And it was just her basically like transcribing an Instagram live. And the thing that really stuck out to me from what Megan said in this Instagram live was she goes, I see a lot of people painting fake narratives and making up stories, but I also see a lot of people that have been being very supportive and sending prayers. And I just really appreciate that. And the thing that really stood out here is that it's like there were legitimately people on Twitter being like, we need to see photos of your feet. Like, we don't believe you. This might be fake, blah, blah. And most of these people... It seems like from what I was reading on other sites as well that like it was a lot of men on Twitter being big mad about this stuff being like oh we should like oh all men are the problem sort of type of guys but there's still people in her corner and that's the thing that's like really important is it's like in the sea of crazy people on the internet trying to discredit a woman there are still people who are supporting her and she does have like a very supportive fan base and so most of the time it seems like her issue is just with men not understanding what's going on which is exhausting which is also another thing that she has spoken about and this is like again which is what I'm obsessed with Megan Thee Stallion about what Jenna's obsessed with Megan Thee Stallion about is that like she does not stand for nonsense which is just like truly iconic and my favorite thing that has ever happened is that a genuine pussy boy Ben Shapiro who is just like a Republican conservative talking head on the internet who like doesn't know any facts whatsoever and just speaks nonsense kept calling out Megan and Cardi after WAP came out my favorite thing was when he said that he's pretty sure pussies aren't supposed to be that wet which clearly <laughs> that's embarrassing for you sir so so embarrassing so embarrassing for him but in an interview with Stephen Colbert on The Late Show, he asked her about the fact that, like, all these Republicans were, like, really mad about her music and, like, being so upset about what was going on. And <laughs> Megan goes, I want to tell them thank you for the streams because without you, I don't know if we would have been here. But no, they're crazy. And I just... <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like, again, this is just proof of just, like, how smart and, like, quick-witted Megan is. And it's just honestly icon behavior for her to be like, thank you so much for the streams. You guys suck, though. Like, it's just so incredible because, again, it's just being so aware where, like, some people would be like, oh, like, if you're going to hate listen, don't do it. But she's like, nah, like, because of you guys, our song's doing great because you guys are hate listening so that you can then go on YouTube and talk about how you've never seen a wet pussy in your life. It's just incredible. She really is full of iconic takes. And honestly, Ben Shapiro said some even more disgusting stuff about how women don't deserve to be disrespected because of things like Megan Thee Stallion, which it's literally so cringe. I don't even want to subject you guys to it. But also in her talking about men being dumb, (laughs) another wonderful quote we have. She did an interview with radio host Julia Adenuga for London's Evening Standard in September 2021, in which she said, I'm starting to see how much more ignorant men are than I thought. (laughs) 
<laughs> she says, when you're a woman who's not a threat, men don't really bother you. And then as you grow into your own and become somebody who doesn't need a man or somebody who is so independent, men like that damsel in distress type of role and that's not me. I feel like that's what gets under a lot of men's skin. Like how dare she talk about her vagina? She loves herself and she doesn't need me and she's going to take my money. I just feel like a lot of them are uncomfortable and I feel like that's my job. And then she goes on to say, I'm not even mad at these men. They're just emotionally ignorant. <laughs> Once they come to grips with who they are, maybe they'll grow up. And so it's like, once again, her being just like so aware and so just like unbothered. My favorite thing about all of this is that it just reminds me of that man podcast that you got really upset about oh where these men were just like saying how women are only dating men because they have some sort of value and like they bring money or whatever nonsense they were saying. Literally. And it's just like, oh, like they're a high value mate. And, like, what do women bring to the table? And it feels like Megan finally had the realization that they're just talking a bunch of nonsense and they just, like, don't like women to have power in any way, shape, or form. And I just love that so much because it's just so funny when women truly realize just, like, how clueless men really are and how disconnected they can be from, like, fully understanding what's going on in the world. Literally. Literally, literally, oh my god. So this also just brought to mind the very few Megan the Stallion songs I actually know. She has one called Tuned In Freestyle off her For The Hotties album, in which the intro goes, this one goes out to all y'all tuned in, the hotties, the secret hotties, all you motherfuckers. And so she's kind of like talking about the secret hotties as in the haters who like think they're haters, but like if you spend so much time hating something, you're kind of a fan of it. And then later in the song, she goes, if I was worried about all y'all... Mm, how y'all be worried about me i'd be fucked up too and i thought that was the it's the funniest thing she's like if i worried about you guys as much as you're concerned about me and the things that i say and you're concerned about hating on me i'd be fucked up too like literally just iconic takes all over oh my god i mean like she just says so much good stuff and again it's just like so aware in such a clever way and i know i just keep repeating basically the same thought but i just feel like there are so many women who give passes to men for being stupid or saying uneducated shit or kind of seem to hold back a little bit because they're afraid of what the public is going to say about you know a brazen woman because that is something that like we're kind of taught to worry about that she's just such a breath of fresh air of like how much she's just like I don't give a fuck you know about (laughs) any of these things but again it's like proof that being raised by a bunch of really strong women and like men who are really okay with really strong women just produces a really strong woman who's not going to let other people bring them down or let people dictate how their career is going to be or what's going to happen with them whether that be somebody shooting you in the foot or a record label giving you a really shitty record deal because like so many so many women are again like we talked about and like we have in our episode about record deals are trapped in really shitty record deals and they can't get out and sometimes wind up just like leaving and their careers never really getting to happen and she's fully just like taking these motherfuckers to court and dealing with this in public and bashing them in public and doing all these things in public that I think is also giving a lot of other women like a leg to stand on and an understanding of like how things should work and hopefully it'll see some change because of that and just like i don't know it's just just everything everything she does is incredible and i just love her so much i mean it's true 
we love her. She's an icon. She's a legend. She stands for so much empowerment shit. And also, like, as I mentioned earlier with her very recently, as of March 21st, tweeting about, like, this nonsense with her record label, she also actually was once again questioned about the shooting situation because recently the court hearings for Tory Lanez was moved to April of this year. Mm -hmm. So all this came up again. She had to, like, tweet and call out people out for their bullshit not believing her once again but she did in this twitter rant about her record label she also said people love bringing up rock nation like hell yeah my team is great and i'm supposed to have a bad one and what about it bitch basically saying that like her team at rock nation now is like really really great but people are insinuating that she doesn't deserve to have a good team since like 501 is also treating her like shit and then she ended her twitter rant by saying bye i'm not speaking to anybody else on here see y'all in court So there was this other article, since we're talking about her record label, in this publication called XXL in February of 2022. And they basically, what they said is that on Tuesday afternoon of February 22nd, Megan cleared the air after the the man Crawford who runs 1501 posted an article on his Instagram account announcing that Megan has dismissed a lawsuit against 1501 and Jay Prince without prejudice or without any loss of rights or privileges. However, the lawsuit in question, according to Megan, is regarding 1501 trying to prohibit her from releasing music, which she has since been able to do, obviously. And so Megan explained that this dude never knew what the fuck was going on with his business. The case that was dismissed against you referring to Crawford, was from when you wasn't trying to let me drop music. You and 300 signed off and let me drop music so there is no case no more. We are most definitely still in court and you still getting sued because you owe me money. She continued on to say, I ain't never been paid from 1501 in my life. I make money because I'm Megan the Stallion. Grown-ass men want to bully me and eat off my name and paint me out as a villain online because they know these bandwagon-ass haters gonna eat that shit up. I don't even be saying shit to you lame-ass N-words because the truth always comes out. And so, again, it's just this thing where, like, you're they're messing with the wrong woman. But, again, it's like they signed somebody who was very green to the industry, didn't know how bad the deal was that she was given, assuming that she probably never would. But now that she has a lot more skin in the game, a lot more connections and a lot more people looking out for her, like she's so much more aware of what's going on and how much shit she's had to deal with. And it's just so shitty that like she is on this upwards trajectory and this label is still trying to just like fuck her over and that she has to deal with this all the time on top of everything else. Yeah. And I like, as we talked about in our record label specific episode, I don't think this is going to hurt her career in any way because as she mentioned on Twitter, like she does have like rock nation people on her team now who are like actually there looking out for her, but it's just stupid that she has to go through this. Like it's just bullshit that she has to go through this with like as famous as she is, like as much money as she is making that she, still dealing with the likes of these people who are just like still trying to control her literally not cute fun fair or sexy for anyone involved yeah truly and it truly just shows that like no matter how much success you get these men in these labels are still just going to try and belittle you and make you feel less than no matter what even when 
you're clearly making them success and they could be having that success along with you. They could be celebrating that along with you, but instead they choose to make her villain number one and just go against her at all costs, which is just so uncalled for and unnecessary. But as we've already said, there's a lot of reasons to love Megan the Stallion. And if you didn't love her before this episode, obviously you love her now. But one thing that I think is really nice to end this episode with is in... December of 2020, she did a quick little interview with GQ UK in which Jonathan Heath, who is the same journalist who wrote that literal awful (laughs) feature story about One Direction and their screaming fangirls and worst interview ever, (laughs) which is funny because that is the interview that literally literally the first interview we ever talked about on this podcast ever anyways same dude but he asked her other than world peace and justice for all what else is on your christmas list this year and megan says my wish would be (laughs) literally so cute megan says my wish would be for young women everywhere to have equal access to education and know that they are amazing valuable and can accomplish whatever they put their minds to i want all my hotties to know their power to be confident in themselves and literally just like reading that brought tears to my eyes it's like so cute and wholesome and i mean going back to like her getting her degree whenever she graduated this past summer she wrote on her instagram like how important it was to get her degree and how she like hopes everyone can go to school and get their degrees if that's what they want to do and she's even like donated money to helping students fund their degrees so all around she's just a kind heart and wants to give back to her community and that's just like the most precious thing we stand Megan the Stallion here. So for you guys, what new things did you learn about her? Did you know how much of an icon she was? I feel like you probably did. But <laughs> if you have any thoughts or feelings about Megan the Stallion, um, only good ones though. We don't want to hear any bad stuff this week. You can come chat with us on social media. We are at Name Three Songs on all platforms, or you can chat with us personally. I am at Sarah underscore Fagan, and Jenna is at Jenna underscore Million. So thanks for joining us this week on Name Three Songs. And until next time, never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band. And remember, you're never too cool to listen to Megan the Stallion. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review. They really help. If you want to find out more about any of the sources we referenced on this episode, you can visit Name3Songs.com. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.